beautiful light bulb souls. This is Trisha Barker. Thank you so much for your attendance at the second annual online near-death experience summit. If you missed it this Sunday, there will be a replay link to purchase through the University of Heaven, and I will leave that link below. Also, thank you to everyone who has purchased my book, either through Audible or ebook or paperback. It means so much to hear from readers and to hear your journey with spirituality and with healing and with some of the issues that my book brings up in education and in other walks of life. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast. This is a remake of some of my YouTube videos that I've uploaded to the podcast format because I know that many people do enjoy not using data and listening to podcasts. So it's great to connect with you and may you be blessed. Beautiful Lightfold Souls, I'm so happy to be here with Ingrid Honkala and her beautiful book is A Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned from Her Inner Wisdom. She has a YouTube channel as well where she's talked about her near-death experience, but I am so profoundly, joyfully happy to have met her and connected with her and I can't wait for you to hear some of her wisdom. So. I just sat through Ingrid's presentation. Could you tell uh, the viewers a little bit more about what you learned as a two-year-old when you had your first near-death experience? Well, there was a, a lot of learning there because I, I kind of start by saying that through the years when I asked the beings of life, why this happened when I was so little when I couldn't even get it? When I had the mind of a child and I didn't even have the words what was what all that I went through and happened and they said that everything there's this purpose in absolutely everything so they even said your NDA happening when you were so little had a purpose and they said you were old enough to remember but young enough not to be conditioned yet and that's what they wanted and that was beautiful because they wanted a pure mind they wanted they were right. I mean, I was so little to be pure and innocent, but all enough to never forget who I was at the core of my being. Because what I learned when I had my near-death experience was that I was a being of light. And I entered this realm or, or appeared in this realm. I was aware of a realm that already existed within me, but I just couldn't see. And now I was feeling completely and absolutely welcome. I felt at home. I felt like I would just have left. Like when we leave to go work and come back. So it's like not even time had passed. I was just coming back home. And I felt that I was absolutely loved. And there was joy. And, and I started to dissolve with, with, with the one. And once I dissolved with the one, there was a moment where even I was dissolving, I had still have that sense of self, but even that went away. Mm. There was a moment that I experienced a sense of, of nothingness. And was that recent or was that right after that? That, that was during the NDE. Yeah. So I, I experienced that state of nothingness, which I said to people is pretty much too impossible to say what, what nothing means, but it's the absence of absolutely everything we know with our senses and with our mind. So it's, it's, it's that absence of, of time and, and space and, and movement and meaning and feeling. And that happened when I was little. And, and the, the amazing thing is that this repeated 
recently in my life, eight years ago when I had a big awakening, that I call a big awakening, but what happened is that I was able to have similar experiences to the ones I had when I nearly died. In the sense that I experienced again this oneness and, and, this, and this state of nothingness, but at this time I was in absolute state of, of awareness, right here, right now. Then I could see the difference. When it happened when I was little, I couldn't comprehend. And I have a, a couple of quick questions. So when you you still communicate, and that's one of the beautiful things that I love about talking with you, with these beings of light. I know angels to be very healing. What are some of the ways that they work in your life? So what are the ways that these beings of light help you and guide you? I, I would say it's in absolutely every way. Um. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's bringing clarity. They, they even guide me to, to listen to my own body. To do anything, even to eat the foods that I eat, to do the things I don't follow anything. I don't have, I don't play roles. Mm. I just listen. Nice. What my body wants. What What did you want for dinner? Mm. So I just listen because I I had a lot of food allergies and I grew up with a lot of problems with my body. But once I started to listen to my body, I started to heal, and all these messages came through, being in connection with my inner self and, and with the beings of light and, and with them is is I wake up every every morning and the first thing that is in my mind is guide me guide me to help what can I do today How, what can I do to serve mm. and I and I receive it and, and, and people appear and, and I'm able to 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 give to them the, at that moment, if it's flowing through me, and, and, and that's the way that, that the universe wants us to do the work, it will flow, and I can actually give this guidance for myself and, and for others, and, and it don't matter the question, it don't matter the situation, there's always an answer. The being so like said, if you learn to ask the right questions, you will get the right answers. Hmm. Well, so, what do you think is one of the most important questions that people should be asking the beings of light and be asking about their lives? I think, going back to that, that's really cool because they said, if you don't know what is the question you should ask, ask for the question. Hmm. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what should I ask. I'm, a lot of people are just, just lost in this sense. I don't mm. even know what to ask, so, so right. ask. So one thing that's coming to me right now is you talked earlier in your talk this morning about how as we evolve, we're going to be in a different state. Um, and so many of the things we're struggling with now, we won't be struggling with at a different time. What do you think is one of the easiest paths to healing for people? So what do you think is... Um, something they could begin practicing in their lives to start healing those wounds and really connecting with that inner spirit and being in that more pure state of being I just through the years and, and with my own experiences I, I learned that that we were taught to run away from pain to run away from discomfort since we're little and, and we see somebody crying we say don't cry don't feel that way don't be angry don't don't do this. Don't be mad. 
what about if we allow ourselves fear? What about if instead of pushing away the discomfort, I, I welcome it in my life and, and I finally sit with this discomfort and ask this anger why you are here and give it compassion. Invite to our life those parts of ourselves that are broken and start looking at them as like with the compassion and love that they deserve. Like mm. I, I just say, stop running from yourself. Mm. Start bringing the light of awareness to these parts of yourself that you think are dark. And when there's light, darkness just cannot prevail because it, it, will, it will dissolve, it will melt in the light. And, and, and it's, it's, it's this part that I, I invite my fear and I actually say to people, if, if there's, for example, anger, talk to it. Where does it feel? Where does it come from? Why why are you here? What what are you teaching me? I said to people, there's only there's two paths. It could be the path of being a victim, which doesn't have it's an end road. It's not a way to go from there. Or the path of like, what is this teaching me? What is the purpose of this anger? How I can use this anger? What are you doing here? And what is 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 what you're trying to show me. So I just say people that stop running away from yourself and invite, become an observer of yourself. I say stop, breathe, and, and use and use the question. It is the inquiry. And from there the answers the, the, the questions the, the right questions will come and they will bring the right answers. And we will start actually even appreciating all these things that happen. We start living a life where we realize all this is for my own evolution. It's for my own awakening. And, and, and now we find purpose behind everything. Beautiful. And I have a quick question since I started in your presentation. What after effects, this whole conference that I is about after effects. What after effects really uh, became a big part of your life at a young age after your near-death experience. So I know that you've talked about seeing beings of lights and spirits. What what differentiated you after that experience from other kids? And Absolutely everything. <laughs> so yeah, there was a moment where I felt that I was so different from everybody else that it was hard to leave. It, it was it was not easy because at some point in my life I realized that I was like I was not like anybody else that was around me and but like the beings of life said to me we will be in your path to guide you and people will appear in your path to help you and guide you and amazingly one of those people was my mom so when I was five because of the school and the drawings I was doing at a school it was discovered that I could see auras and beings of light. And my mom understood these beings of light as angels. At the beginning, they thought I was just dreaming. Then, because my mom had been seeing a spirit since she was five, so I was born in the right place. We're never left alone. We just don't know that. And, oh, now my mom had the understanding she's experiencing something that is similar to what she experienced but at the, at the time she didn't 
understand very well that at the beginning I, I was seeing something different from what she was seeing. Later when I was six and I started to see spirits, I told her mom the beings of light and the spirits are not the same thing. Right. And after that, more gifts started to, to, to happen. I, I, I came to the realization I have been having visions since I was four. So at four, I already knew what was going to be my career. At nine, I knew who I was going to marry. At 12, I knew where I was going to work. And just just like that. And, and little little things would happen for me to realize, yeah, these are visions that I'm having. Like at 12, I, I, I they told me I, I was going to study the oceans from the space. And I'm like, I was told I was going to work at NASA. And at the time, there was not even satellites doing that. So it was like they, they knew all these, these things. And later I started to have access to past life experiences and I realized that suddenly I, I was reading somebody's mind and that I was sensing people and I, I would hear things ahead of time. Then I would give an answer like, we haven't even asked that. <laughs> yes, I know what you're talking but about. But it was so shocking because I'm like, what? Yes, yes. So yeah, I was. I felt very different from everybody else. So it, yeah. was, it was hard to handle. So what happened is that, look, through, through this this path, I I was at, at nine. I was already reading books like like the Bhagavad Gita. Then I, I was reading Viveka Sudamani, a part of Chanabuti, the the Moria Garden, the the, the books of, of Moria, and, and and all these these things, that Master Moria, and all this was happening and. And I was doing transcendental meditation when I was 12, and I was in the Agni Yoga group, and I was in learning about the Indians of the Americas. But by the time I was 17, I was this being that was floating in the clouds. But I wanted to be like everyone else. So when I joined college, I told the beings of like I will. <laughs> and I was like, like a good teenager. I said to them, I'm done. You guys, you guys can go for now. Because all I knew was them as part of my life, I felt them as my parents too. So I told them, you guys can go now. And, and they were incredible, that's the compassion. And they, they, they of course, the, the whole understanding and they were like, okay. And what happened is that I lowered my, my, my energy frequency and then I disconnected. But they knew how to do it. Otherwise, I could not have lowered it. So the way it happened is, I met a person. It was my first boyfriend, and I wouldn't, I didn't meet somebody spiritual out there in the clouds. No, I met someone that liked dead metal, and that was the singer of a group, and had long hair, and wanted to party, and so I needed to be grounded. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. So that was just incredible, and from there I started to okay, now I can be like others and and it was it was a time in my life where I couldn't really comprehend what was happening but they said to me I was 19 and they said to me someday you will be a teacher and I said I'm not teaching anything and they said the time will come <laughs> and 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 I said to them it was the time I wanted to, to just go and they and they said to me in 20 years you will understand you will have the mind, they say experience will talk for you. Mm, interesting. I have a I have a quick question about 
your experience as a kid, if you came across, like as a teacher now, someone who had a childhood near-death experience, what do you think you would tell them to help them in their life? So, you know, a very young kid who's going through that. To be open. To be open. And if you don't know what to do, if you don't have the tools yourself, look for help. Look for connections. Like like IAMS conference or, or, or this kind of, you cannot come to a conference and just try to locate the people that can guide you through this. There's, there's local groups all over the place and and there's more and more people open to it. There's the internet. That's the wonders of the internet. Now we're all connected. We're, it's just a big network and now like we can find that help. And I, and I said to people, don't close that. Listen to what they have to say. Yes. That's the most important thing. If we just open ourselves to listen, and and now they can start bringing to us what they are experiencing, what they're knowing, what they're sensing, and and that's just there. Is 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 the help we need? Yeah, that community and that connection is so important because I found that as a near death experiencer, when I go to different conferences or I go hear a medium talk, I realize I can do certain things that I didn't realize I could do. I just didn't have the language for it. Did you find that you had a language all of your own as a kid that you just, you know, you connected in your way, but then people teach courses, you know, on how to connect with angels. And do you agree with most things that people say about it, or do you have your own ways of? Of uh, experiencing it, I think I think there's there's different ways to address the truth. Yes. But once you're connected to the truth, you can hear what is behind the yeah. words. So if somebody you you stop hearing the words and you start listening to the intention. Mm -hmm. Amen. What is the intention behind all this? Even with any teaching, with any religion, with anything, it's like go back to the root. What was the true intention behind any of this? Yeah. And once you touch that, it don't matter the language. Right. It don't matter the ritual. Yeah. You have clarity. You're listening to the truth. Yes. So one thing that I discovered after my near-death experience is I very much wanted to connect with love. So if I, it didn't matter if it was a Catholic church, if it was a, you know, Buddhist temple, as long as I felt love in the air, then I, I was a part of it. And it's kind of the same thing with the spiritual community. Is that what you mean with intention? You, you, if the intention is love, then it's right. Then exactly, exactly. Like I, I, I this example that that people share around is, is like the truth is the same. It's like like the mountain. And, and the summit is is that one truth, love. And you have the mountain, and and God is so immensely giving that it has created like ten thousand paths for all of us to be able to choose the path that we feel better with, the one that connects, that that resonates with us. So we just take any of these paths. And guess what happened when, when you say that you're in Everest? Can you ever see the person that is in the other side of the Everest? No. But as you go in this path, no matter how different it is, but you're sensing that intention. This is bringing me back to the summit. It's bringing me back to love, to the truth. So you follow it and you follow it. And as you go higher in the mountain, the paths start connecting. And now the person that you didn't even know existed is there. 
and the higher you go is what you start seeing the same thing and the paths start connecting and connecting until there's not even a path you arrive to the summit and what you see the same thing everybody sees mm. now beautiful you're sharing the same same truths and oneness and love beautifully beautifully said and i was wondering we might not have enough battery on my phone to make this a long interview but i was wondering if you might talk just a little bit more about a brightly guided life your book because i'd love for people to hear a little bit about your journey writing it and what you what you put into it and why you read it yeah brightly guided life was a book i never thought about writing <laughs> because i i always thought it was it was something that would be a going and i'm like i'm not writing anything about my life that's just not happening but when this book wanted to happen i said this book wanted to write itself it happened mm -hmm. and it started with a list of sufferings mm -hmm. and and from there i'm like oh, i wrote the first page and when this book wanted to write itself i would wake up at three in the morning i was driving my car i was in the supermarket it no matter where i was i was writing and i was writing and i was writing to the point that i i said that this is the, the Pandora's box open, box open and, and now I even had access to memories of my infancy. Everything came absolutely clear. I can even remember the day I was aware that I was breathing and I was just an infant, but I needed all these memories, past lives, future, everything to, to put it on this book. And I started with the first page and I wrote 170,000 words. <laughs> So yeah, when, when the, I, I got the help of an editing company, he said, oh, okay, we need to cut the book. So now there's three books, so more will come in the future. But yeah, this, this was the, the part where I said, people, it's not the story about Ingrid, although it's an autobiography, but it's, it's, it's the way to show us that we are more than this physical form. Yeah, that was one of the most important lessons I learned is that I felt better outside of my physical form connected with that consciousness. I mean, I felt better and it's almost a little bit of burden to come back to the physical form. Yes, but it's also this is to show us and those experiences are to show us that suffering is in our path for a reason. Yeah. And, and, and is there like, like, like Eckhart Tolle says, suffering is needed until it's not needed anymore. Yeah. So it will be like when we realize that all of this is done for us mm. and that all our, our challenges and all our sufferings and all our experiences have no other purpose than to bring us back home. Then we become at a state of gratitude. Nowadays I wouldn't change anything, although I went through so much trauma in my life and I was broken in 10,000 people. I did what I told you, I gathered every piece and instead of pushing it away, I gathered all and put myself together. Mm. I love you, I love you no matter what. I love you no matter what. I forgive you. I forgave myself. And I loved myself. Mm. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I certainly feel like I have learned to love others more by loving the broken parts of myself. Yes. So have you found that that happens yes. too? Like yes. whenever you're broken, you can... Yes, and 
that's amazing because I said if if anything, <laughs> all this taught me to relate. Yeah. To see the pain in, in, in the other and be able to go and talk and say, I know it because I felt it. Yes. And let's work it together. What do you need? Yes. How can we repair it? How we, how can we give it love and forgiveness and, and, and see the goodness on it? Because at the end, there's only goodness. Good or, or bad. It, it is, it's, it's, it's just the play. But universal goodness is all there is. And love is all that matters, and love is all that is, is something that many near-death experiencers feel yeah. on the other side. Did you feel that too? Yes, yes, definitely. And, and, and it was just joy. Yeah. Absolute and complete joy. There was nothing else. And it's when, when, when we know that that is the work of is complete giving like it never stops giving no matter what mm. beautiful so that's the total and absolute love yeah beautiful well I might be able to do another interview with Ingrid sometime maybe we can really get into things but um, I will later post her YouTube channel and a link to her book but my battery is running out here at the IANS convention but it's been so much fun talking with yes. you and Good luck with all that you're doing in this world. It's amazing. Thank you. It's, it's so great meeting you. You have such a beautiful light, and I'm just right here in front of the camera. Hey. <laughs> but thank you, beautiful light-filled souls, and please check out Ingrid's channel, and may you be blessed.